0: gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. Uh, It's been a couple weeks since I've given you guys a show because, uh, I mean, number one, because my life is chaos, but number two, because I'm I'm a jerk who didn't give you guys a show, so I'm sorry. (laughs) This is my deepest apologies, but to make up for it, we've got a really, really, really fun one today. One that uh, I've gotten no less than, I'm going to say... Ten different emails or text messages from people around town after they read the latest news of everything that's going on with you guys, uh saying, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's uh there are some exciting stuff happening, some exciting things that are on the horizon for you guys. Um uh there's still are people that reached out, they're like, Oh my god, I didn't know that there were two Beercus locations. I need to go see what the hell is is, is happening. Uh Number one, congratulations! Number two, welcome back to the show, Paul.
1: Hey, thank you so much.
0: Why do I feel so like no, quiet now? No, say. yeah, thank you. We'll, we'll get it figured out. <laughs> it's it's exciting. It's exciting to be with you and
1: and uh, with with JD, our our fantastic brewmaster. You know, it. it I think. People think it's a gimmick, you know, but once they get out here to Ludlow, it's like beautiful. I mean, in, in a me, negative way. Let, let me clarify. Ahead, yes, please, I, please. and I've
0: always said this about beer It is a gimmick. It yeah. is definitely a gimmick. All of this, all of craft beer, all of the, it's all about gimmicks. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't mean that the beer sucks. It doesn't mean that the experience sucks. It doesn't mean that the people suck. If you can create a gimmick that is a, a real enjoyable thing, you you are onto something that a lot of people haven't figured out, and you guys have. You, they, it's a circus and a brewery. Come on, that is the perfect gimmick. It's it's brilliant. <laughs> it's it is it is it's great. You know, have and and being
1: around the block here. You know, opening in Covington. Um, that's after a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, the KGB, Kentucky Guild of Brewers. You know, you got the Russian influence right, everywhere. Right, 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 but you know, after working hard for years, self-distribution is now a reality in Kentucky. And July 1, that kind of came into effect. And it's great. You know, today, our, our guy roused about Rick. Rick's been working with us for 12 years. You know, he's got the truck, he's got the lift gate, he's got the magnets, he's got the insurance, and he's delivering beer for us now, which is exciting. So that is really why we opened up in Covington is because we don't have to brew beer there in in Kentucky before you'd have to actually brew beer at a place if you wanted to set up a tap room. But now, so it's exciting, you know, that that paired with beer and the experience of that down there, we kind of, it's the concession stand, if you will. There's no live music. There's no, no circus there, but, being the proximity of Hotel Covington and across the street from Braxton, I mean, it's exciting because yeah, we'll, when people taste
0: the beer, it's like, wow, yeah, okay, <laughs> I've heard about this place. Oh, you, you just have to make it accessible. We'll we'll definitely dive in a little bit deeper on on what the Covington Tap Room is all about and and, and get into some of that. Uh, first off, JD, welcome to the show. I think, and I would have to double check and triple check my math and my notes and all of that. I think you are the three hundredth guest on the show. I think.
2: Oh, well, hey, that's yeah. exciting. I'll take it. You you might be like
0: <laughs> you might be either 301 or 299. I'm not 100% sure. I'm, I'm really bad at notes. So <laughs> I won't hold you to that. No problem. Uh, let's start uh I want to hear a little bit more about you and how you got to this spot, how you end, how you how you ended up here. <laughs> but Shh. first before we get that we need to drink a beer. From the um, you beer guys were gracious fridge. enough to pour me a few samples here. Um, I'm guessing I'm starting with the lightest one right in front of me here. Tell me, tell me what that is, and we'll.
2: Yeah, so that's a uh, kind of our hometown hero here called Lud Light. Uh, it's definitely a a copy of a more common domestically available products.
0: Well, there's you know there and, and maybe part of it is a part of it's a stigma that may not be a hundred percent true, but there is a a thing that people say when you open a craft brewery, you have to have something for all of those people that walk in the door. Uh, that say i want you know (laughs) (laughs) absolutely bud Bud miller course whatever whatever it may be there that you're going to get that question and some of these neighborhoods that breweries open into like ludlow maybe didn't have the craft beer influence the way that otr or somewhere like that might have um so you might get that question more than other places but
2: Sure. Absolutely. No, I mean, I think part of our job as craft brewers is really to draw in some of the crowd that doesn't participate in what we enjoy. So to me, I think you need to always have some doors that can open to a new customer and a new experience for people. So that's something we definitely aim for. I mean, you talked a bit about the gimmickry and so forth. And I think this is just another angle on that, right? We're looking to bring in some traditional people who may not be exposed to our kind of intensity and excitement. And we want to have something that they can still be a part of without feeling like it's overwhelming.
0: Right. That being said, even if you are a super craft beer nerd, this beer is great. This is is fantastic. It's uh, it's it's got some body to it, which you don't always get from some of those big macro loggers. I mean, look at the head just on that. It's a, like, you can take it off and scoop it with a spoon <laughs> and eat it. It's it's a it's a you don't you don't get that from from the big sure. macro loggers. Like this is this is a good beer. This is one that uh, even though I love some of the bigger beers, you know the the barrel. We'll we'll get to some of that, but. Um, uh, yeah. On, on any given night when I'm walking into a tap room, this is probably something that I'm going to have at some point that night. So,
2: And that's the gap that it's trying to fill, right? We've got an introductory experience for people, but it's also a hot weather beer, you know, when you right. want to have a few and you want to crush them and you don't really want to be overwhelmed with the ABV or so forth or body or flavor. Uh, this is something that kind of bridges that gap. It gives you a little bit of body, a little bit of mouthfeel. A little bit of dextrin malt, as you said, gives a little bit of the the visual appeal to it in a glass, um, so that's definitely part of it.
0: It's it's beautiful beer, delicious beer. Uh, I encourage everybody who maybe has been around craft beer for a little bit, and I know that there's a there's a, a logger trend that's happening, and people are saying that they're they're coming back or whatever. I, if you think that you don't like loggers <laughs> or you are afraid to afraid probably not the right word. If you aren't drinking loggers. Or light loggers because you think it's not craft beer enough for you. Um, stop that! Like just stop it right now and
1: you know. <laughs> well, I think it's hard. You know, it takes longer. You know, it's 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 a great quality situation. It's, we're not hiding behind you know a huge hop bill or you know it's hard to do the logger right and. Our Lud Light is definitely top seller. People walking, hey, what's the closest thing you got to Bud Light? Because like when we're doing wrestling or right, <laughs> whatever right, right, right. we're doing here, it's
0: like, well, it's just one letter off, and it's brewed right here in Ludlow. <laughs> That's the Lud Light. Uh, speaking of wrestling, any any Cincinnati podcast listeners know the uh, the the Shift Beers crew up out of March first and how uh, crazy they've been about the, uh, the was it North Northwest wrestling? What is the 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 wrestling federation that comes the Northern in. Wrestling Northern Federation, federation there we go. something is, is, like that yeah, that's, know how crazy they've been about it when are they coming back when is the next time we are going to see them here in the tap room February February fifth right. at the historic Ledham Theater so, <laughs> Mar- I mean, you know it, it, it is a hoot the, R-
1: Roger the guy who's behind it. He, you know, he posted a picture the other day when he was a ref between uh, Coco Beware and Hulk Hogan. You know, and it was just so great to see, it. like, you know, it's like that is sure that's a gimmick or that is authenticity at its highest level. You know, to have the guy who produces wrestling have been in the ring with Coco Beware. I mean, everyone's everyone knows Hulk, but yeah, you know, right. lately that that could be a cool beer actually. Yeah, that should be
0: our. Dad. <laughs> Well, everybody put it on your calendar because I've, I'm fairly certain that there will be a large group of uh, Cincinnati bloggers and podcasters and, and uh, drunks here to, uh, <laughs> to to watch the show because I've been wanting to get down here for the wrestling for so long. You know, if you looked back, we'll say, you know, we'll, we'll say five years ago, the idea of somebody putting uh, wrestling in their tap room. That would have never been a thing or pickleball in the middle of the tap room or, you know, let alone just the actual circus acts that you guys do. Like it, that idea didn't exist. And now like you've got these sparks that are happening and then somebody else picks up on it and does something a little bit different, but still kind of crazy like that. And it um, it's made all of this so much more much more like genuinely fun to just go out and be around some of this stuff that's happening in tap rooms, especially a tap room like this. It's so thank you for bringing that life to, uh, <laughs> to tap room culture in Cincinnati.
1: <laughs> well, you've been around them, you know, it, it is neat. It, it is. It, it's our pleasure. Really. It is our pleasure.
0: Okay. So JD, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your history. How did you get here? When did you start brewing? Why did you start brewing?
1: Sure, sure, uh
2: so i kinda I grew up in Golden, Colorado, which many people may know there's no
0: beer there right? yeah,
2: you know, there's just one company <laughs> uh, no there's there's actually a number of great little craft breweries there nowadays, uh, so I partake when I go back to visit. but obviously, home of the world's largest craft brewery or not craft brewery, world's largest single production brewery uh so when I grew up there it was always something you kind of avoided, right? You didn't really want to work at the big factory in town unless you had a reason to. Right. Uh, so I paid not much attention to it. I got into hazardous materials safety and then got into uh, home brewing. So I ended up working for Miller Coors before the merger and did hazardous material safety for this company. Uh, and at the same time, I home brewed quite a bit. So my ambitions with home brewing took me from the average five-gallon extract batch through all grain into larger size batches. Uh, Long story short, a couple friends who also enjoyed in what I did uh, encouraged me to keep going. So I took the first available position I could in the industry, and this was probably 2010, I want to say, and that was in Washington State. So I went out to primarily lager brewery in Washington State, called Chuckanut Brewery. They kind of gave me my pedigree in German lager. Uh, Chuckanut?
0: Correct. Uh, Chuckanut, okay. Yes. I'm sure I heard that right. Yeah. Chuck- Chuckanut, <laughs> yeah, it's gotcha. a little
2: unusual. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're a great outfit. Uh, I had the kind of encouragement of the ownership and the head brewer out there who just kind of encouraged me to continue pushing harder. Right. Uh, so with that said, you know, I took a, a number of different brewing positions trying to figure out where I wanted to be as far as physical location and what I wanted to do. Uh, And that really led me to a lot of independent contracting. So I've been independent contracting for breweries for the last, I guess, seven, eight years, something like that, pretty hard. And that's taken me all over. I've won a number of awards for different beers, so forth. But really, my motivations are just connecting with new people and making them enjoy product. Uh, I came to the Cincinnati area back in 2018, actually as the uh, brewmaster at the Moorline Lager House. Uh, so I spent some time there and enjoyed that. I live in Independence, Kentucky, so not quite the Ohio side of the river, but uh, still enjoyable as well. I, I've enjoyed it here. Bierkus offered me a unique opportunity to come down here and ply my trade while you know, kind of bouncing off the back of their excitement and innovation. And I think that that gave us a kind of a traditional and quite untraditional combination. So sure. So that's what drew me here, and where my excitement lies.
0: Well, it's it's hard coming in too. So you're you're coming in after Sean, who was here, you know, cranking out some really great stuff. Goes, you know, he goes back to to work in his family's brewery, and uh, coming coming in after after a, a personality that helps kind of put this place on on the map. Like, is that? does that add stress to it or is that something that you are because of kind of your route of independent contracting and kind of coming into places and is it-
2: I think that's an excellent question. I mean, quite honestly, there's always going to be some, I guess, difficulties with matching something that someone before you has kind of set up and built and trying to evolve that in a way that doesn't lose connection to its roots because I think that's incredibly important. Uh, but I think that Sean and I actually have quite a few similarities in the way that we brew and the way that we think about beer in general. Uh, so I think that actually embraced quite a bit between us. So, you know, I'm able to kind of look at some of his recipes and the things he's done in the past and really interpret probably more than is just written on the paper. Right. So I think that's a huge advantage. With that said, yeah, it's always a challenge. I mean...
0: I'm, I'm always curious that, like, you know, some of these yeah, places that have... Um, that have been around for a while. There are beers that have been around for a while that people have fallen in love with. Love with this this beer. Yes, maybe not knowing always why they're in love with it, but it it becomes a a part of the personality of a place. And when a new brewer comes in, like I I can imagine there is uh there's got to be some kind of desire to come in I'm like oh well this is this is a great beer but I think I could do this a little bit. I think I could oh, yeah. do this better well, I think I, and, and, and to try to kind of that line of, you know, not not straying too far from what this is to still putting your own spin on stuff it has to be tough.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think that that's not just a struggle for a new incoming brewer, though. In my opinion, that's a struggle for every brewer every day. I mean, as someone good who point. applies your craft daily, you know, you you taste the differences between batches that perhaps other people don't. And while certain people are sensitive to certain flavors and may be able to indicate something, sometimes it's more about, did I make the perfect batch or is this the perfect version for me? Do I need to continue adjusting it? So there's a fine line between what you think you should adjust to something someone else has kind of set as a base and something that you yourself might have set as a base. But if you're constantly moving towards either perfection, quote unquote, or, you know, embedderment. I think you're always going to push that a little bit, right? And if you, with that comes the danger of having some discrepancies between batches, both as an individual or as someone replacing someone
0: else. Right. It's it, it's an interesting point that I haven't thought about. You know, if, if you're Ryan Geist and you're cranking out truth every, at some point you're like, ah, truth is great, but yeah, we could do like we could do this <laughs> and like. Uh, you know, at what point do people start storming the brewery and, you know, knocking tanks down or something like, quit, quit changing our truth.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and and some of those challenges as home brewers and so forth are aware, are out of your control as a brewery. Yeah. I mean, even the big guys like Ryan Geist are subject to, you know, malt crop changes and so forth, hop variations. So, I mean, we all have some some things we have to try to make up for, even if we don't want to. <laughs> right. I
0: mean, it makes sense. It makes, it's something that I, that I've never really put a ton of thought into before, but um, that's just because of my side of things versus yeah. somebody that's, you know, cranking out production. on a day day to basis. It's interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> we could go down a whole rabbit hole on stuff like that, but we won't because we got to talk, we got to talk about Covington. So well, we got,
1: I think, I think I want to talk about, I want to offer some unique perspective when I was, Going through interviews, um, you know, looking at resumes, Sean gave me, you know, about six months. He's like, look, I'm going to be heading back, you know, spending four and a half years launching us. It was incredible, you know, and then finding the right fit, but... Reading JD's email and then looking at the resume, it's like wow. I mean, you got to tell them a little bit about India because that it gets that, that got my attention. You know, so <laughs> oh, yeah, I so, forgot yeah. about that. You, no, so you told me is, about that. This is like I was like, whoa. Down you down. know, I was like, uh huh, okay. This is this uh, this candidate is going to understand. Um, you know if he could get along at that culture, he's going to fit just fine with our culture here, you know, because some of the people are like, you know, you're looking at about half of them were locals and they were, you know, disaffected with their place, the big, big place. I'm like, well, this is like, you got to mash in and mash out. And like, there's no buttons here, you know, like, so that was an interesting situation, but come on, JD, give us a little bit about India, man. (laughs) Come on.
2: Sure. sure. Uh, You know, I, I think I spent nine months in India uh, brewing for quite a, popular craft brewery in Bangalore. So, you know, they're extremely well regarded outfit, had been around, I think about five years, but I had never been to India. It was not on my radar, not a place that I would have ever pictured myself going. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the job, I love brewing. I mean I really do. I find it fascinating and intriguing. So opportunity came up and I couldn't turn it down. So I went for the trip and Uh, It it was a completely different beer culture. I mean, I would put it akin to, I I told you earlier, I started back in something like 2010 professionally brewing. Well, I would put their industry back in those early years, probably even the nineties comparatively to the U.S. So a lot of people are just becoming exposed to craft beer as an entity. Uh, A lot of people don't really know what it is. I mean, half the population probably doesn't know what beer is. So you've got a kind of this evolving, emerging uh, craft culture, and they're really embracive of each other. So it's pretty amazing as far as how the people interact and so forth. But. You know, unique challenges abound, uh, whether you're talking about your power going out several times a day during your brews. Or, that sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> or just, you know, water treatment standards for reverse osmosis because you're in a country where you can't drink water out of the tap safely. You know? The
0: the beer that you were making there, was it more along the lines of kind of macro type of stuff or was it a was it craft kind of... Uh,
2: No, so the outfit I worked for was... IPAs. Yeah, called Windmills Craft. (laughs) What what
0: do they call an IPA then? You
2: know, that's a great point. I mean, ironically, we were probably one of the foremost uh, American-styled craft breweries. So we were offering IPA was a big offering for us. However, it might be, I think we were the highest IBU-rated IPA at the time I was there. And we were, I think, at 55 IBUs. So it wasn't a significantly bitter IPA by American standards. It might not right. even quite be on the radar. Maybe like a heavy pale ale. So their taste profile is significantly different. The majority of all craft beer, I was um, primarily there's, producing craft There's got
0: to be some kind of joke there about an IPA in <laughs> India is just a pale ale. Yeah. how bad.
2: <laughs> You know, if you were to look up uh, like the major craft quote unquote brand out there now, I think it's called Beera. And uh, beer was just emerging in my times out there, but they have one they call Indian Pale Ale (laughs) or whatever. You know, it's not an India Pale Ale, and that's kind of how they get around their uh, skirting of what we would consider the parameters. (laughs) So they primarily drink uh, Belgian Wit, Hefeweizen. Are by far about 80% of all craft beer sold are those two categories. So, to me, it's uh, taste for yeast-driven flavors. It's things like the complexity of clove and banana. Uh, You know, they want phenols. They want stuff like that. That's just what they're perceptive to. I believe that's probably because of the way
0: they eat food. Right, right, the spice-driven kind of. That's fascinating. I would would love to be able to spend just a year just traveling around (laughs) and seeing the different beer cultures around the world and how people – what they're drinking and why they're drinking it and how they drink it. It's fascinating. It's a-
2: yeah, I mean, that was part of the best benefits, too, of working in Bangalore was it was really kind of an international hub, you know. So we had a lot of transiting visitors from New Zealand, Australia, Malaysia, Singapore. I mean, you name it, they were from all over but they're bringing in some of their beers, you know, from different places right. and traveling. So we got to taste quite a few different offerings from different regions as well.
0: Right. Oh, man, that's definitely prep for coming to Ludlow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <clears throat> okay, that's fine, fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> laugh it up. Laugh it up. Laugh it's, it up. It's half a joke. There is a unique culture here that there, is very yep. it is even even when you look at just Greater Cincinnati, it is different in Ludlow than it is just right down the street in, in, say, Covington. Like it is those are two very different types of drinking cultures, um which we can use to transition right into Covington. Why open a tap room in Covington? Um, and how did it all come about? It
1: first of all, we we built a, a wood fired oven. Right. In the pandemic, um, we went we upgraded from selling corn dogs to because uh, when the end of the world came, you know, when the pandemic was raging, we had a food permit, so we right. were considered a restaurant, so we were allowed to open for outdoor dining May twenty one of you know. 20 was that 19 20 19 20, you know, it's I, just so bizarre i can't i sometimes i really can't figure it out you no know, there's two uh, that it had to be 2019 right no 20 2020 two, I 2020, think, 2020 i think yeah. 2020 yep it was definitely 2020 so <laughs> in kentucky bars distilleries breweries could not open until july 1 so that gave us a good six you know six week start but we were smoking corn dogs because you couldn't. Wendy's literally ran out of beef. Okay. Right. Like, like, where's the beef? You know, like, right. you know, so that was a great, that was a great move for us. Um, and then we built a wood fired oven. My buddy came over from Italy, started this great pizza
0: and but slow down right there because, uh, there are other places that have decided to do pizza as a, as a, as a brewery or even, you know, bars and restaurants. There's plenty of places that have put in a pizza oven and say, oh, we're just going to, we're going to crank out some pizza. You guys didn't do it the easy way. I mean, you did it the way that I think you seem to do stuff, which is sometimes way more difficult than it needs to be. And you take this route around through and, and the pizza is fantastic. Like it's yeah. way better than it should be. Like you uh, well, should not be able to get that good of pizza in love though. Well, here, here's, well, it just like, I mean that in the nicest way, just
1: like bringing on JD. Okay. You know, like we, we have to find excellent uh, partners, you know, people to do things. And the pizza dough takes three days, you know, it, it ferments slowly. It's just Italian flour, salt, yeast, and water from Ludlow or Kentucky water. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm. It's not, it's not. <laughs> You know, it's not it's not piped in on an aqueduct from Italy. You know, that would be cool. If you want to talk about doing it the hard way, okay.
2: Beats Indian water. Beats Indian water, absolutely.
1: No reverse osmosis here. But so the pizza, the pizza is fantastic. And we have like a mussel pie, which is out of this world. You can't get that at Papa John's or La Rosa's, you know, and and people in our Argeta pizza, we source the getta from Finky's Getta, and it's got or Finky's Market up the road, and it's got potatoes on it. People are like, Potatoes on a pizza? Well, our chef came from Italy. He was the head chef of the JW Marriott in Venice where he could only get there by boat. and you know he's been cooking in Italy for twenty five years and there was no work because the world was upside down. Right. so Covington was a really bold move because one, we're allowed to make beer in Ludlow and move it to Covington, which is excellent that that was would not be available two years ago, a year ago. We'd have to right. either brew beer there, which is a lot of work, licensing insurance, or we'd have to you know, sell it to a distributor and then buy it back from them, which is just does not make sense. So it's got a, it's an incredible space. It can fit about 50 people. It's got a hybrid wood-fired oven inside. The oven is gorgeous. You know, it's an Italian oven. We can fit five or six pizzas and cooking them in Covington, where here in Ludlow we can only make three at a time, which is fine for our current uh, capacity issues right. and social distancing and things like that. So the move to Covington was a, is a really important step, and we have a two-year lease with a three-year option. And if you look at it, Five years ago, we weren't even making beer. So that that's a great place to, you know, connect with our investors, you know, re- reach out for, you know, additional investors, you know, and really get, you know, our product into people's hands and in their mouths. And it was great because it was really cold and snowy and lousy a couple of Saturdays ago and we crushed it over there because there's just such a critical mass of, of people, of housing, of apartments, of condos and you know, they'd go to the globe, you know, and then they would, you know, have a, have a bourbon there and then stop by the Hannaford and oh my gosh, this is great. So, you know, here's, it's just an exciting place to, to be, it's gotta be one of the top blocks in all of Kentucky, really. I would think so.
0: Like I, it's, when you look at what the, the love tap room here is like, it's, it's, it's the big top. It's the place where the show is. It's, it's flashy, but it's not the place you go and you want to, you, you don't, you don't grab your wife and come here and hang out for a quiet little evening, a date, you know, like it's, you come here with your friends, you come, I mean, your wife can come too. my, my wife would love it, but you know, it's, 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 it's bigger, it's bolder, it's uh, not as uh, quiet and comfortable. Whereas you look at Covington and it is, it is the complete opposite experience of what this is. And I think the importance of that, like there, are, and I'm not going to say people in town, but I'm going to say if you look nationwide places that have opened multiple tap rooms, there are some places that figure that out of giving each place its own personality. And there are some places that just try to replicate that exact same experience over and over and over again. That doesn't work. Like you, if you want to grow who you are and bring new people into what your brand is, you have to give them a new experience and that'll bring new people into it. And I, I think that's exactly what Covington does so so well. Oh, it provides a complete opposite experience. I
1: bought the biggest TV I could afford. I got an 85 inch <laughs> TV over there and we're going to be um, simulcast live streaming our wrestling. So we sell out for wrestling in Ludlow. <laughs> so it's about 200 or 200 or so people here because you have the ring and people are sitting on the balcony and on the mezzanine. The wrestlers call it Madison Square Ludlow because usually they're <laughs> like they're the Mount Orb right, Agricultural right. Barn or at the right, Chevois right. VFW Hall, you know. So here we've it's got the lights. In a parking
0: thing. lot somewhere or, yeah, or they're changing
1: in a port to let you know here we got a green room proper green room for them with mirrors and a bath you know so it's cool because that is the goal is what is that you know oh, oh that's in love where's love you know it's just having yeah. access to again a really weird way to look at what we do right uh, but people will go and they'll have you know, great pizza and great beer It's just focused on that you know i mean that what well, that concept has been around forever you know what well, i it's exciting to to be there and found a great partner with North South Baking Company. So Kate is the owner. She owns a building in Ludlow that she's working on rehabbing. So she runs it in
0: the morning from seven till noon. So it's kind of like a like a coffee shop pastry kind of thing in the in the morning. Yep. And then lunchtime it switches over and it becomes a tap room a pizza place. Basically. Yeah, and then
1: and then you know for Valentine's you know we're really putting together a whole flight. Cookies, you know her her fantastic cookies with with our fantastic beer. So great, kind of, and day you're at Agave and Rye, you know you you know then you come on down for dessert right. with us. So it is, um, it's great place to be. We're working. Uh, actually, we might even have some uh, autonomous vehicles delivering pizza and beer in downtown Covington. All <laughs> right, which is crazy, but why not do it? You know, it's That's like right. it, it is. You know, they're doing it at the airport. You know, you can sit sit at, the air, sit at gate B and order some food and have it delivered to you. So it has to be innovative. It has to be out of the box. And that is what, what we have in spades as far as I'm
0: concerned. It's, it's fascinating to me. I think that uh, – well, let's, let's drink another beer first. Um, which one am I going to next?
2: Oh, I mean, take your pick, but maybe the IPA. Okay. So this is our Showman IPA. It's kind of the, you know, house core IPA, so to speak. I'd say it's not a West Coast variation, but it's closer to a West Coast than most IPAs you're going to come across. It's got some nice malty balance to it, so it's maybe not quite as crisp or hop forward as a right. traditional West Coast, but very similar.
0: Kind of that 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 Midwestern IPA that yes. so many people were making up a style name for for a while there. It's <laughs> it's uh, exactly it, it has that that like you said that that maltiness that kind of um, if you're not if you're not obsessed with the overly bitter kind of west coast ipas that, that that so many people fall in love with this is to me what gets you into ipa if it's not new england ipa as much as the weather <laughs>
2: yeah i think you know we'll we'll certainly uh reach out and experiment with ipas as anybody in the area you know will uh i think it's an important category obviously being kind of the number one selling craft brand but it, we also don't want it to i identify who we are as a brewery. So we do try to create a pretty eclectic mix of different styles. Um, a lot of the time they're fairly traditional based, but we try to throw some unique ones out there that are a little bit more adventurous.
0: If, as far as beer goes, if you had to try to uh, try to wrap that up into a sentence for people to explain who you are as a brewery on the beer side, how would you do that?
2: Boy, I would, I would throw it as uh, I don't know, something unexpected is what I would suggest. You know, I think that we work hard to have something that appeals to any potential customer, whether or not they've had craft beer. And to me, that just means having a wide variable palate.
0: Do you think that there is a, a a downside to the fact that the personality of Bierkus is so big aside from the beer that sometimes, like if if, if I'm talking to somebody about a brewery, um and I just throw, you know, this is Bob's brewery and oh, what's the beer like? Yeah. You know, I don't I don't usually get that question when I'm talking about beer because people get so caught up in this idea of a circus inside of a, a tap room that yeah. it it almost feels like sometimes the, the beer gets pushed aside more than it should.
2: You know, that's an interesting perspective and question as well. I can say having worked at the wide variety of places I have and the sizes and the focuses of each of the individual breweries is always different, right? And I think with Paul, part of the fun part here is that the focus is on the consumer experience. It's not necessarily only on the product. And so for me... Yeah, does that take away maybe some of the spotlighting of the beer? Perhaps, but I don't necessarily take that as a negative. Uh, it's not in my personal prerogative to need you know feedback for the beer to validate my own feelings or anything along those lines. So I think it's really keeping it focused on what does our consumer base, whether that's growing or existing, what do they want to experience and how do we get to them and drive excitement from them?
0: I'm curious if it, it might even create more excitement once they're here. And you, sure. if you walk in, you're like, oh, this is, this is a circus and a brewery. Cool. And then you walk in, oh, my God, this pizza. Oh, my God, this beer. Oh, my God. You know, yeah, like get... It, absolutely. It, it's just, you know, that, that, it, like you. you almost, and this is probably it sounds terrible, but you come in with these lowered standards because this other side of this is so big and, and bold and in your face. It,
1: it's... So we had some great holiday parties, you know. I mean, some people, of course, you know, unplugged them and canceled. But, you know, to have... Big companies in town, you know, hosting their party here, and then seeing everyone try. Oh, I want to try. Oh, that's so good. Let me try that. One. Oh, it's it's great because you know we have a Mexican logger. We've got an Irish. You know, it's like the, if you look at the menu, it's international. Just like you know, just like the circus piece. You know, we have, our Belgian um, is is fantastic. Miss Patterson, you know, and, and her family still exists. You know, and they come out and they love it. So it's that is. Uh, it is the experience, you know, that, that's what, that's what people crave, you know, and that's why we put the energy into the shows and the production, instead of focusing on creating digital content, if we have actual content, like actual variety of beers and variety of shows, tonight we have Magic Friday, we have stand-up comedy, and some people just don't like clowns, so, you know, I, I get that, you know, but, but but they'll come for stand-up, and they're like, man, this is so good, oh, and then they'll get one pizza, and they're like, oh, that are so good, I need another one, and, and that's really, it is back to what you're saying, it, it is hard, right? It is hard to break through, you know, people's perception of w- what a night out is going to be, or, you know, why do you have so many different beer? You know, I, I say all the time, you know, we only got two or three IPAs on, you go to some places and you, they, they might maybe have one lager and they've got many, many different IPAs. And part of it is just really like, that's our goal. Um,
0: I've but, also like, I've, I've sat down in other tap rooms and heard people talking about Beercus and they're talking about, Oh my God, we were there one night and and the owner came out and he talked to us and he he was teaching us how to spin plates and he you know like oh my 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 cousin had a had a had a party there and they they made this beer with you know you know they the label had them on it and it was this 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 really cool like it's all of these ways that really brings people into the experience I think more than other places have and I, I think other places are like struggling to try to figure that side of the personality of a tap room out of how to bring their customers into it. When you guys had it well, figured out, out. You guys yeah. had it figured out well before you know it, you it, you ever even opened your doors. So. Well, it's 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 neat. So, you know, this
1: band called the specialists, right. you know, they're from New York City, you know, and they like, and they were here on a tour between here and Nashville, and they wanted they played Shaky Knees and like, man, can their agent said, Hey, you know, we want to come out and their fee was really high. I couldn't afford it. You know, I so, said, But if you guys want what we can do, we can take a beer and we'll put it in some cans and we'll do a special release and like you're kidding me so like th- these artists were so excited to take a couple cases of beer with them to nashville right. and then they become legitimate because they have a beer right you know and like we made us you know that jd was awesome we had this cotton candy seltzer we made i for, tried uh, that
0: the last time i was here uh,
1: <laughs> you know for, for stacy q you know two of hearts but like, so so know,
0: brilliant for uh <laughs> it, it, again it 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 it's not easy,
1: right? You know, we had to, like, figure out how to do a small batch of, of seltzer, but the nose on that thing was so awesome. And, you know, it's something, again, we are just continue to work on. But, you know, we just took the showman, and we put it in these cans, and, and they love it, you know, and they want to come back, and they'll be in New York City talking about this place in Ludlow, Kentucky, where it's circus, and it's – so that is um, – it's a patience play, but it, it's exciting.
0: It's it is, It's fascinating to me, like, when I look back at when – you know, you guys first announced that this was a thing that was happening, um, and and how like what this beer scene looked like then, and knowing that this idea was still, I mean, it's 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 changed and evolved a little bit, but it's still the same idea that existed then, and it was so far ahead of what people were doing at the time. Um, it's, it's 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 amazing to me to. to think about the the the, the people well, thanks to you you know you, you're you're a promo of it and, and connecting the dots and
1: sitting down a well, couple the, times and you know just you know when jd came to, to take the gig i'm sure he wasn't like he's was like what the You know, i'm sure there's plenty of due diligence out there you know if, if people want to see what we're doing you know they it's it's not hard right to see what we're doing right but uh you know it's really because bands from new york decide to stop on the way to nashville and then it's like wow so it is Um, the goal, really, every day is an opportunity to make make folks happy. You know, when it snowed outside and we decided to paint a pickleball court in, you know, this was – fascinating because three major real estate developers who are all trying to do the big pickleball thing right. they were all here what are you doing are you gonna do more of this And no, i said no we know we have room for one court <laughs> and it's a little bit mission drift for for um, paulie the clown to get into pickleball but it ended up being like a really bold and great move and then you look at what's happening up in norwood at the playing card place and it's going to be high wire a, a circus themed brewery and 20 pickleball courts you know
0: circus themed brewery we have to I, I love high wire i love what they're doing i love the beer i love the people uh, They're a circus-themed brewery. There is a big difference between a circus-themed brewery and a beercus. There's <laughs> a very big difference. and uh, uh, I, I don't want you guys to get lumped into the same category. I'm as excited that. to have another circus-themed brewery <laughs> in town. Theemed, know, now, <laughs> themed. <laughs> no, Themed. It's okay. It's all good. No. Uh, I, have a, I have a t-shirt somewhere from Tafts when they first opened. They threw some kind of circus event, too, and they did a, a t-shirt with William Howard Taft being fired out of a cannon. That does not make them a circus brewery. It's just, <laughs> but again, it's all, it's,
1: we're learning, you know. I mean, what they did in that church is beautiful. I mean, it took me seven years to get this building listed on the National Historic Registry, but it's listed now, right. you know, and, and I love putting up on the marquee, you know, whether it's a can release or, or what band's coming. And, you know, it really it's positioning because you, you don't get Stacey Q and, and when in Rome we were doing great. Because we were the only venue that was open, you know, like right. Icon, you know, Innovation, these these giant places, you know, none of, them, none of them were open. So we had this opportunity to connect the dots with some real artists who were really looking for work. And we just were able to align, you know, making an Italian lager for when in Rome called La Promessa, you know. And again, it was just a fun way to put beer in a can and have a major eighties musician be super pumped about
0: it and wanting his beer out there. You know, let's talk about that a little bit. So you guys, uh, we'll say, you know, 2021, you guys guys had a good year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's, I think that there are a lot of places that are kind of afraid to talk about that a little bit of, of how they were able to adapt and and change with everything that was happening and turn it into something that is a, Positive for them, and there are places around town that had a good time. They had a good time. The right, they had a good year as far as a business. Uh, there are places that didn't, and I think that that is kind of what stops some people from being loud and being like, "Look, like our our customer supported us, our fans supported us. Uh, we did things that enabled that to happen. We we contract canned. You know, when the world shut down."
1: We we had growlers, we we did beer to go, we, we were open from four to eight, curbside delivery, people could text in their order, but then, you know, working with Ironheart Canning really saved the day for us. Uh, it was, and our Ohio distributor, 17 star, you know, getting beer in cans, you had to can every single drop of it, so we'd have 40 barrels of beer, and it was expensive to bring them in, and to buy the cans, and da 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 And then
0: getting, well, getting the patio open, too, though. The patio was,
1: yeah, the patio was great, but it was neat, because you know, Sean's last, you know, 10 days or so when with JD kind of this transfer of, you know, knowledge, expertise, et cetera, we we ended up buying our own canning line, which, which was such a bold move because now we don't have to, now we can can what we want, when we want it. We don't, we can put some in draft, we can put some in cans, you know, JD's figured that out in a way that's, it's exciting. And it was really having the tool of the, of the canning line, which allowed us to you know make make the musicians from new york happy get our customers happy and have pretty much everything that's on draft in cans for people to take home with them you know and that 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 really feeds well into a covington situation because you know, pizza delivery and beer delivery is something that, you know, can become a reality here shortly. And we're going to, when the weather turns, we're going to get a an, an Italian Vespa. So it'll be, you know, with a pizza hot box and we'll be delivering pizza like, and beer. And and that is something that we can do. Will, will it be expensive? Yes. Will it be insured? You know, it's not easy. But being able to get the beer in cans and in people's hands and having the pizza, I mean, it, it it was a move. We we, we actually earned a uh, employee retention tax credit because we, we hired people, you know, we, we, and that, that that's exciting from a perspective of, you know, how our restaurant's doing. You know, it's it's weird. We were considered a restaurant. That's why we were able to open up early. You know, we got no restaurant relief from the government because we didn't do bad. You know, we didn't need it, which was, it's, it's exciting, you know, and, and it's because of the hardworking staff. You know, we have 22 people on staff who show up and they work hard. They, they sweep the lot. They, they wipe the floor, you know, they mopped the floors i mean it it is a traditional circus kind of ethos around here
0: but i I think that people don't realize that about what how a a circus runs uh, uh, traditionally i mean i'm sure ringling brothers probably runs a little different these days but you know where you the the circus shows up in town and the people that are setting up the tent are the same people that are going to be performing later that night and it's a you know, and, and uh, a one for all kind of everybody shows up and everybody pitches in and everybody makes this thing happen, and because of that, everybody is invested in the success of this thing, and um, and a lot of other breweries have kind of figured that side of, of existing out, but um, it's built into what beerkez is. <laughs> it's uh, I, I wish more people understood the the culture of of
1: Birkus. They will, you know, they'll, they'll listen to your podcast. They'll have it in Covington, and they'll think, "Oh,
0: and soon we'll be in downtown Cincinnati." We'll talk about that. Right, we will right, talk right, about right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, like, just, I want to talk. I get excited. So, you I mentioned earlier about uh, investors. Uh, you guys were the first brewery in the country. Yep. right to be able to explain it to me. So, you, to, a non-accredited investor basically can invest in the crowdfunding yes. that you can actually own a part of. So,
1: in when GM went belly up, Lehman Brothers, when The economic crisis of 2009, 2010 happened. Uh, It was an Obama administration. It's called the JOBS Act. So it's because if you don't have a million dollars in the bank, you could never be an an initial investor in in Facebook or Google or or any companies because you have to have a million dollars outside of the net worth of your home and to be considered an accredited investor. And we I jumped through a lot of hoops. I worked with Graydon uh we were the first to do it i mean brew dogs was doing it in scotland okay you know and that you could still invest in that but by now it's so diluted and so fractionalized you know you're you're just right. kind of like handing them money and so you can say you're an investor right w- with us it took 18 months to raise a half a million dollars but it started just doing pitches you know like in our what was our circus studio. It's an ADA uh, circus studio. My wife t- taught Zumba in there. I mean, it's, it's been everything. So we, we d- it was a circus little classroom before we got the theater fixed because we had some environmental issues. We had lead based paint, we had mold, we had a lot of stuff we had to clean up in the theater. So we started circus there in 2010. And we, 2016, the laws, you know, it was passed, but the Security and Exchange Commission didn't come up with all the rules.
0: Nobody so, understood anything about no, it. They like, did. I, again, when you guys announced that you were doing it, the amount of emails and text messages that I got. How the hell are these guys doing this? Like I we can't figure this out. How to like how are they doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know, but <laughs> Well, and it was it was
1: such an important piece of the puzzle because we we didn't even have we didn't have beer. Right. Okay. Then we had beer and it was only through distribution with Seligman. And that was great. We were pouring at fairs and festivals. We had a beer trailer that we custom made with a performer, performers <laughs> right, platform. Right, right. on top. I, I loved being at Mayfest and Covington and stuff like being, having circus artists performing. And again, it's a jobs thing, right? You know, it's just the concessions, having artists from out of town, the kids would be in the show. Circus Mojo would be performing, you know, at two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock. And in between the adults would be performing up on, and it was a, uh, people are making a wage, you know? And then we had the tech, the tasting room open, so we had about a twenty five person tasting room, but by then people could actually drink our beer, and that's really when the investment really started to, to pick up. And then, you know, putting a half a million dollars, it took 18 months, and we, we kind of spent we, we paid off the equipment and we hired Sean. You know, it was just it's been a long process, but there's a lot of breweries in town. You know, I don't know which ones are making distributions to their investors or not, or how all those different structures work, but for us it was just really important to reach out in the one-for-all concept. And I don't know how many of the investors are accredited and how many are not, you know? And that's not really, it's not up to me to, to worry about that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know? But they are, and they, they're they proud of Hey, this is our brewery. This is what we're doing, you know? And that certainly helped us get through the pandemic too, you know?
0: So you guys open, you open Covington. And with that, you're also opening up another round of people getting this chance to invest in Bierkus. To do that, you're not diluting the shares of the people that already exist though. Right. This was, well, you know, which is again, not the quote unquote right way to do this well, for
1: two months. The lawyers <laughs> and two different firms, you know, I had to get a second opinion. Like you can't do it. I said, you can't, like you can't, like I'll go to jail. You can't, like, what are you? no, you, nobody does this, you know? And, and Zuckerberg never did it. You know, you just, you just keep diluting people and you keep holding 51%. Sure. For me, it is a situation where, we bought a building two years ago down the road, which is in an opportunity zone. So, this is some really fantastic tax treatment from a, you know, again, pretty sophisticated millionaires are setting up opportunity funds. We are going to raise some money, re- relocate the brewery down the road. It's just about a half mile down, and we'll really be able to ramp up self distro. You know, we need trucks, we need that sales. That becomes
0: production. Yep
1: opens up this to more 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 entertainment area. and then we take the pizza oven from outside and we build one inside so pizza crew's not making pizzas at six degrees okay you know so <laughs> everyone's happy again that folds into covington so the laws of um because in 2016 nobody knew what these what these things were now you probably get feeds all the time you know invest in saucy brewers so like i'm gonna I, I i bought into a couple of these online just to to see and I don't buy their valuation at $120 million. Right. But again, you know, it's more about learning, looking at this process, figuring it out. So now $250 is the entry level. And the goal is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'd like 365 investors, you know, and we're about halfway there. Um, because then people are like, hey, I own this. You know, they, they 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 have a day. You know, if they want to put green food coloring in our Lud Light, I'm not wild about that. JD, he's probably not. He doesn't care. Okay. He's like, that's fine. <laughs> that's what they want to do, which is great. But that is the goal. Again, it's more about people and connecting people to what this is because it's been de-risked. You know, we're not going away. We actually have a brand now. And that is the goal really is to have people invested. And I don't want to irritate my 120 plus investors, you know, 150 investors if i dilute all of them. Right. They're not going to love that. So it's it's important for me to put my skin in the game and we'll see what happens. You know, we've been in for about 2 weeks now and we're we're a little past our uh, half past our initial goal, so the momentum is there.
0: How how long did it take you to hit that point with the original round of investment? It took 18 months. I mean, that's that that says something about how people feel about beer today versus when you first started talking about it. People understand what this is. People get the idea. At least some people, (laughs) they're still, how many many people that are listening to this right now have have not been here still like that kind of stuff drives me crazy to think about how many people, I mean, I live, I live in Butler County. I'm on the other end of the universe from Ludlow. How many people that live in my neighborhood have never heard of Bierkus? I've never been to Bierkus, I've never tried to be, it drives me insane to think about. Well, that's okay, though, you know? I mean, I'm going to go knock on doors tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) What's the next beer here? (laughs) Well, Before I start getting angry people. Go ahead and take your pick. We've
2: got either a a coffee stout or we've got a wee heavy. Okay,
0: so this is the wee heavy? Correct. All right, we'll we'll go coffee first.
2: Perfect. Yeah, that's our Deeper Roots. Uh, It's our coffee stout, what do we call it? Deeper Kilpatrick's. So we use Deeper Roots coffee for that, and we go ahead and add that in the bright tank. And then that way, I cold condition it on the coffee beans for a number of days till I kind of feel that it tastes right and then finish it up from there.
0: Excellent, dry, roasty, just, oh man, it's especially on a day like today where it's freaking cold (laughs) outside. This is one of those beers that just kind of sits it's right where I need it to be <laughs> in. Uh,
2: yeah. So we keep both versions typically in house. We've got a, uh, non coffee version right. as well. So this way people can kind of take their pick. If you're a, a coffee fan, that tends to be the favorite version by far. Uh, even myself, I'm not a huge coffee fan, but I tend to gravitate to the it, coffee stouts.
0: So. It feels like something that should be warming me up, even though it's not coffee. It just, yeah. it feels warm and, and, and just, you know, again, perfect for a day like today. Excellent. I do love coffee beers. I wish there were more just straight coffee beers. Let's go down a little bit of a rabbit hole there. So uh, pastry stouts, what's your feeling on pastry stouts and the the candification, if that's a word, (laughs) of stouts?
2: (laughs) So, you know, I would say, had you asked me a few years back, my opinions would have been entirely different than they are today. Uh, I tend to have less confliction with that than maybe some more people who consider themselves traditional brewers, such Mm -hmm. as myself. I kind of put myself in the camp of, I think it's fun and innovative to push the limits, right? And I think that if you do a pastry stout or can defy your beer, so to speak, um, it needs to be done in a way that still exemplifies beer first and foremost, in my mind. So I think as long as you do that, it's a perfectly acceptable route to go down.
0: I just I feel like there are so many people now that don't understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. They're just throwing a bunch of stuff in there, right. and if you throw enough candy into a beer, eventually it'll taste like candy and it'll be it'll be fine and people will like it. But that's it. No, there's no
2: so you know skill to that. Uh, we'll go back to India for a quick sec, but I did a a beer out there. Right? Please we're, tell
0: we're, me you made a candy stout <laughs> in India. <laughs> well...
2: <laughs> <laughs> my, my my number one assistant Sean, you know, he would call it the mounds beer, right? And and we used cocoa nibs and we did uh, uh, copra coconut, which is sun dried coconut. So you know, we sh- had them shred that by hand. I sat on the floor with the rest of the village and uh, shredded that out by hand and made that work. And you know, it made a really excellent beer, but it was a fine line. To That's, balance that, that beer first and foremost in my mind.
0: Well, I feel like you take coffee, or I'm sorry, chocolate and coconut, and you put it in a beer, and uh, there are some people that would try that and be like, "Oh yeah, this tastes like a candy bar," right? And there are other people that would say this tastes like something else that is not a candy bar at all. Like Absolutely. those are a little more traditional kind of flavors that. Um,
2: so you know, brewing constraints vary. It's not Skittles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brewing constraints vary quite a bit, but uh, (laughs) something like with this coffee stout, for instance, if I know I'm going to create half the batch into a coffee version and the other half's not right, then I can use some back blending to kind of create the exact flavor profile I want. When you're doing a one-off batch, it's a little bit harder to hit the exact profile you want. So there's a little bit of variation, a little bit of give, and I think you have to design that in your recipe and your brewing, right? right? You have to give yourself some leeway.
0: Let's talk about Cincinnati. So you guys are, I've, I've always considered Northern Kentucky uh, part of Cincinnati. I think that um, there is a very wide radius of what makes somebody Cincinnati or not. But with this new announcement of this this extra uh, crowdfunding and uh, new location, uh, you snuck in the news that you guys are poking away at a little, uh, oh, I shouldn't say little, another location in Downtown Cincinnati, central business district, right in the heart of everything. Talk about that a little bit. How? When did this idea pop up and well, why the hell would you do that? Well, <laughs> first of all... Um, you know, Ludlow might as well be Rhode Island uh, if you're from Westchester, Amelia, sure, sure. you know, Milford, you know, all these different places. I wonder if I asked my wife right now <laughs> if she knew what Ludlow was. I'm going to send her a text message okay, if right. she could actually answer. Keep talking. Uh, well, about. you know, e- even when we we're down in Louisville uh, for the craft, you know, Kentucky
1: Craft Bash, you know, we'd have our jockey box there and, like, Ludlow, where is Ludlow? And I said, well, have you heard of Covington and Newport? And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> it was like, we're just, we're just, uh, just do West, you know, just the next little town over. So, it's it's such an important move. I mean, it's being able to produce small circus vignettes, you know, activities. Again, it's a jobs thing, you know, like having professional artists come to town and and having more spaces for them to work and perform. And
0: so more. Uh- it'll be more along the lines of it's gonna be like, it's, it's smaller. Okay. The
1: 18 foot ceilings, I, I, we wouldn't, if it had 10 foot, ce- if it was a regular kind of storefront, we, we it wouldn't work for us. Right. Okay. But it's about 40 feet wide and it's got about 80, 18 foot ceilings. So there's enough room to hang a trapeze, you know, there's enough room to juggle and have it be meaningful and having a chance to share what we do with, people before they're seeing Hamilton or Wicked at the Ernoff Center or, you know, that they're at the Taft Theater going to see Huey Lewis in the News. What'd she say?
0: Hamilton. <laughs> right. Is it in Hamilton? <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Enough said. Again, we live in Butler County, my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, so, so if you want to come to see wrestling, you'll come from Hamilton to to, Ludo, to, to see wrestling. But having... Uh, access to doing circus perform, you know, small, like little five, 10-minute, just little pre-production before and after every Reds game. You know, th- we're five blocks from the Reds field. You, you right. can look, you know. And more importantly, right across the street, there's a $81 million hotel going in. It'll be Cincinnati's answer to Hotel Covington, okay? Because right. when Foo Fighters are in town, that's where they stay at Hotel Covington. So, right. you know, playing this two sides of the river is really exciting because we know that people will be able to experience at a, at a great value as well. You know, we're not a nonprofit. We're, we're not going to take money away from the Aronoff Center or any of that other stuff, but being able to partner, you know, make our schedule based on all the events downtown, it's exciting, and it will be free. You know, you're going to go downtown and see a show or, or go to a game. You're going to spend five $500 at least. You can come in with us, have a great pizza, have a couple of great beers, and have an, a small experience, and we ran this brewing and distilling tour for, for right. about 18 months because, you know, we couldn't get South bank shuttle to come to Ludlow because I think you know, people in charge maybe think Ludlow's Hamilton. I mean, i not really, right. but the perception right. is okay. Right. So they're, they're similar
0: in a lot yeah, of ways. Right. actually.
1: <laughs> there. But picture this. Okay. So just like our beer trailer, how we have the performer performing platform on top, our bus pulls up with a 20 foot by 10 foot performance stage on top of the bus. And it's like Burning Man, all right? We got sexy men and women blowing fire, hula hooping, and you get on the Birka's bus for free to take you to downtown Ludlow. And right. this is a Dora District, so it'll be supporting Second Sight Spirits and the Buffalo Bar when it reopens and the Ludlow Tavern. And it will just be this great excuse or reason for people to get outside of the box, you know, I mean, they've been to Dave and Buster's, you know, you've been bowling, oh man, you got to do this thing, you know, the beer is so good, and oh, the bus will be here in an hour, you know, and just run this loop, Yeah. and, and it's a way to expand our audience, and Covington, Cincinnati, Ludlow, they're all, it's within a five-mile radius, but it will reach such different audiences, Ludlow audience, like you talked about earlier, Covington has its audience and the people that live there, that walk there, they want to support us in Cincinnati to be able to tap that. It's just so exciting. And, you know, the building is rough, you know, but all the buildings, all the projects that I do are rough, you know, and it shouldn't take seven years to get it listed on the historic registry because I've learned a lot and we now have the right team, the right, you know, con, you know, contracting. Albert Fetters is a friend of mine. He got us open here. They just finished his huge DBL law job, you know, huge, huge project. So, the people that we've been working with supporting us, you know, for all these years, you know, we have the right team and the investors, you know, people are excited and that is Birkus is going to own. and Birkus is not just going to be a tenant in this building. Okay. Because that was a difficulty when I was initially raising money. Birkus doesn't own the theater. they just a tenant here. Okay. Well, Birkus will have, you know, not only our canning line, you know, which is an asset, but there will be brick and mortar, like real estate and, who knows? You know, I don't want to franchise this and put this in fifty other. You know, but to prove it out there and then really have the momentum shift and that's where having, you know, not diluting people and doubling down. Wow, you mean we're going to own this? Some of the investors. Why? I'm like, well, because you guys deserve it and it makes sense and it's
0: a world away, but it really it's five miles away. Right. Well, without without people that. Really believe in this and 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 are invested somehow, be it monetarily or just with their 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 mindset of when they're thinking about oh, it's a weekend, what are we gonna do? Without having people be invested somehow, like, a place like this doesn't exist. Like you can't have a place like this. And there are a lot of breweries again, not locally of course, but you know you look nationwide. There are a lot of breweries that just don't really they don't care about those people that are stepping into their tap room. It's like oh, if you if you don't like this and you leave, there's somebody else that'll take your place. And to really be able to, to double down on the people that have not only built it from day one, but that are continuing to support it and, and are showing up on a weekend and becoming invested in it somehow, like that's that's something that I think a lot of places can, can learn from somehow. They don't have to do it the same way that you guys are doing it here, but there is there is definitely a lesson to be learned about that type of investment from your, from your customer base and you guys are just very far ahead of your ahead of your time. And there will be people, I hope there will be people that will be studying the Birkus model at some point and be like, "All right, I'm not starting a circus, but how can I take these lessons and this idea of what this means and flip it into this business or this business or, you know, the the Everybody can take something from this and incorporate well, just, it into what they do.
1: You know, with the pizza, we, so we do these uh, circus matinees every Saturday and Sunday at two o'clock, and there's been a ton of momentum on this, you know, and it's neat. You know, people, people can find deals out there. People just walk in, or people don't even know, and they're going to, like, man, that show was hilarious. You know, it, one, it's fun, but we say hey, it's just like Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, the show's a little better than animatronic rodents, so the pizza's <laughs> a little better, and you're allowed to have more than two beers, you know, so they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a model. The model's out there.
0: <laughs> I think you need some kind of animatronic. Like a rodent now, <laughs> like, a, like a possum or something. And just <laughs> I don't know. Don't get me started. I, 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 there's no uh, bad ideas here. Okay, but I, <laughs> what does so as we? I, I don't want to say come out of COVID because we all know that the world is strange and it's going to be strange for a very long time. But as as things keep changing and evolving, um, what does the future look like for? craft beer model for you guys. I, there are a lot of people that have been even, we could even flip it a little bit and talk about the rise of seltzer and, and, and canned cocktails or spirits. You know, there's lots of, lots of things happening in, in, uh, in, in drinking, <laughs> the drinking business we'll say. Um, how does, how does all of that affect who you guys are and what you do and, or, or does it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it certainly affects who we are and what we do. To what degree, I think that's part of the evolution, right? So I want to participate in things that are interesting to the market and to the customer bases that are out there. Again, we're trying to balance drawing in a new and unique customership to craft beer versus some established investors and so forth. Uh, So there's always going to be some chasing the new trends, so to speak. You know what I mean? Uh, We've seen things like New England IPAs pop up and blow all over and be incredibly successful. And we've seen things like brood IPAs that tend to be a little bit more niche and maybe not uh, quite as trending. So I think I'm gonna participate in all that as we grow and we find. You mentioned yourself kind of the difference in culture between say Ludlow and Covington and Cincinnati's just one more angle on that. So creating the diverse offerings we have is something we're going to have to keep a focus on in order to keep those three locations tied together. But at the same time, I think we're going to look to explore to whatever new trends pop up. We'll probably have some more circus-based seltzers. We'll probably look to sprinkle in some more uh, Belgian offerings because that is kind of part of the heritage of our namesake and so forth. So I think we'll try to bring a little bit of focus and culture to that but we're also going to carefully balance it amongst the, the, the diff- different personalities of our three locations. So
0: it, It's it got to get difficult over time as you start to figure out what each of those locations are, are wanting and what the, you know, there are people that will um, spend time in Covington and love Covington and never come here. And that will be their spot. And they will probably want something very different than somebody that's sitting here at this bar. You know,
1: it's great. We, we, we've been doing these um, kind of, Pizza in a pitch, we'll call it. All right, so investors can come out and check it out. I buy the pizza, and it was cool. Like last week, there were you know six you know six groups there. Half of them had kids in, with strollers and had not been to Love right? They just loved the beer and the pizza, right? You know, and then they're oh that w-. so that is will definitely evolve into you know what that means. We, some some beers we have on draft there that we only have here. You know, like that that's a fun game to play too. You know, like where are we going to tap what? But we're really having JD's expertise and, you know, Ryan Fardo, my designer, my guy built this bar has been with me 12 years. You know, they sat down and really put together like a whole, you know, our year plan. Like we know what beers we're going to make, you know, we, we know what our seasonals are. We're able to project that out. I mean, that having that level of knowledge base is, is so great and really having the planning. And then, you know, would we want to do some one off? So absolutely, you know, we can, you know, can up some beer for somebody's wedding. You know, like that—that that is another, it's just fun because, oh, you can't, that's impossible. It's like, well, no, that's, that's why you go to the circus, you know, right. to see people get shot out of a can, and, right. you know, to get in the cage with the lions, you know, so it's that, that just, kind of that that model. Neither is, of
0: those are why I go to the circus. Okay. For <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do either one of those things. Oh, no, it's fine. You don't want to watch wrestling. That's, I, all. I, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's you know the the wrestling. It, it's <laughs> I, do I love
1: magic? Um, but yeah, today we've got a guy. You know he's he's coming in. He was just on Penn and Teller's um "Fool Us," and you know artists um, are looking for places to work. Yeah, you know, and and having having this place, you know, come to fruition, and then adding a couple other little pieces of the puzzle. I mean, it it it, it there's infrastructures there, and it's close enough. You know, we're not if something goes south, I don't have to hit to Indianapolis right. tonight because da da You know, so that is an exciting you know, situation.
0: Let's drink one more beer. And then I want to talk kind of bigger picture stuff about Cincinnati. So this is the barrel aged we heavy.
2: Yeah. With some vanilla beans. So this was actually a beer that Sean brewed uh, right before, well, I guess not right before he left was close to about a year ago today when that beer was actually produced. And then he had left that in some barrels for me to kind of finish out the process with. So we decided to uh, bottle that up for our specialty anniversary pay Sean a little homage and call it part of his Gregor series Brain. so that we, the can, Gregor <laughs> exactly, so we can throw a few more of those in there down the road as well. Um, uh, but yeah, really this was a, a excellent version of this beer. You know, as I said, uh, Sean and I had a lot of similarities perhaps in the way that we approached and think about brewing. And this was an example to me where I could, I could sense how he developed this recipe just by tasting it alone. So I think it's an excellent version. It's got some malt forwardness. Vanilla is not too heavy. It's really good. It's and there.
0: it's it's been sitting out this whole time. So it's it's room temperature at this point. So um, I'm getting like almost like a, like a Dr. Peppery kind of thing going on. It's got like some cherry and some vanilla. Yeah. And man, it is delicious. So that's Really, a, really good.
2: Yeah, I get a lot of maybe hints of dark stone fruit and that kind of character in it, and I think that, to me, adds to the complexity of it. It's still got a very kind of traditional Scottish flavor in my mind, but uh, I think that's, you know, exemplary of the style that he was aiming for.
0: It's, it's really good. Really well done. Um, and you guys have bottles of this, I assume, available. You still have a little bit of it available, and if people want to come yes. in and snatch some, you can Snatch a couple, throw some in your cellar, you know, play yeah, around with this and have fun with it. It's a good beer, really good beer. Uh, Cincinnati as a whole, greater Cincinnati. Uh, what are the things that when you guys look at the beer scene now, that get you excited? And what are the things that maybe you're not so excited about seeing?
2: Well, for me, I think the excitement is just kind of jumping back for me, jumping back on the other side of the river and what i called the big pool of breweries. Right. Right. You know, this side, we have a little bit less direct competition, you know, Braxton and so forth. We got, we got a few good breweries over here now, but the reality is that on that other side of the river, the density is a lot higher. Right. So competition is going to be more, you know, competing for people's interests and just having them give us a try is something I think will be a little bit challenging, but also rewarding. Right. So flavor differences as well. Like I said, I mean, I know my previous experience is that the hops tend to sell well on that side of the river comparatively to this side. I would say our general uh, clientele seems to be more malt forward here in Ludlow. Covington tends to be a little bit more hop forward. And I would anticipate that Cincinnati will push that even a little bit further.
0: I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) But. bigger picture like what what are the things within this beer scene that get you excited Paul I'm excited to connect the dots with
1: the industry in Ohio okay you know being a part of um, the KGB you know Kentucky Guild of Brewers it's neat because when when we started this five years ago there were maybe 30 breweries in Kentucky okay now there's probably at, at least 60 to 70 okay so you go to Ohio and you probably have, you have hundreds. Okay. I think think it's, if it's not at 300, it's right around there. So, so for me, kind of on the political side of things or like learning the, you know, the process and being able to uh, tackle, tackle some of that and being able to learn how to connect the dots with other distribution points. You know, like when we got into Ohio with 17 star, it was fantastic. You know, we did a tap takeover at Arnold's, you know, and and Chris and Ron are incredible people. And it was tough to make a circus happen in their little, um, garden, you know, kind of patio area, but we did it and it was really cool, you know? So really it's, it's having a chance to learn from that side of the river and have the infrastructure be there to really, uh, grow Birkus into a a brewery. And, And, and that is, the big move for us in in moving down to the opportunity zone, which is zoned already for manufacturing and you can grain in and grain out easier and get kegs. And we can, we can actually do that here at the theater. It's tough. You know I mean? The farmer comes and JD's, you know, every every Saturday, they're like manually throwing giant, you know, spent grain and feeding cows. Um, So being able to uh, ramp up our production and learn from the infrastructure, the Ohio side of things, you know, and that is really where I'm at uh, in selling up, you know, part of my equity is so that we can, I can focus on circus and the experience and the brewing team can take over and can learn all that self-distribution that Ohio, like that is, uh, that's what I'm most excited about is one, having access to the uh, capability legally being able to do it here and also in Ohio, but reaching across the river for some of that, expertise and the knowledge, the know-how to have the folks come over like, all right, we're going to build your distro. This is how it works. And and not reinventing the world. You know, you got back to how we do things difficult. We don't have to do that anymore. You know, our beer is great. We'll find the right team, just like we found the right brewers, the right designers, the right front of house staff. So
0: that is really exciting for me. What about more uh, culturally speaking? So from the drinker side of things, you know, we, we talked about pastry stouts and seltzers and stuff like that. The, the, the culture of, of drinking, is there sides of it that get you guys excited? Is there sides that you're like, yeah, this is, what, what are people doing? Like what? <laughs>
2: well, I mean, you alluded to the, the seltzer trend, right? That's not something that particularly motivates or interests me as an individual. I tend to like something with some body and flavor to it. But on the other hand, I enjoy uh, producing things that the customers want. So for me, it's about chasing that, right? It's, It's not always fun to brew for other people, but that's why I'm not a home brewer anymore. I I tell people that often. I'm a professional brewer because I like to brew what they like to enjoy, not what my ideal picture is. That's a little bit different than some other lead brewers out there, uh, but that's just my personal take on it. So I take it as a fun challenge to work outside of my comfort zone. And that's what I probably look forward the most to at the beer culture change. Is pushing my envelopes of interest and comfort, and just pushing forward into something new and innovative. Right. So I think it, it, you know, it cuts both ways. Just yeah. because you're not terribly excited about it doesn't mean it's not a great opportunity.
0: It's a good point though of of that's why you don't homebrew of yeah because you wanna, <laughs> again one of those things that I've never really put a lot of thought into. But like I I talked to plenty of people that are like ah, I just brew the beer that I want to brew and you know if people want to drink it they can drink it right. <laughs> okay yeah i
2: mean that's a very artistic i see the perspective. other side of it now yeah <laughs> and, and i respect that perspective you know I've, I've been doing this a while now and my opinions have evolved and changed quite a bit over time but yeah i don't consider it my canvas to showcase my ability that's not my personal prerogative but many people do and i think there's a lot of respect for that as well
0: but i feel like it would make you jaded over time though <laughs> if that's <laughs> the way you if 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 you're in business to serve something that is in just inside of you that you expect other people to, uh, support. Like I that over time. If people aren't supporting it the way you think they should be like that, would that has to like dig at you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'd say I mean, there seen... has to be, I think there has to be some of that, 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 that Keeps you interested in going to work every day, but
2: yeah, no, I've seen plenty of brewers who maybe push on getting burned out from that kind of situation, right? And it's not necessarily because you don't feel that you're getting to express yourself properly, but maybe people just aren't as receptive to your expression as you would <laughs> right, wish they would be. Right. So, so yep. you know, you can produce your perfect beer, and it doesn't mean anybody else is going to like it. I I use the example of my old days, right? I used to work for Miller Coors, and a lot of people say, "Oh, that's trash beer." I don't buy it myself, but on the other hand, they sell more than anybody else. Right. So it's very difficult to say that what they make is "quote unquote" trash.
0: Yeah, it's
1: you yeah,
2: <laughs> it's all perspective.
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of it too comes down to being, you know, what fascinates me on the other side of the river, being on this side, you know, is watching the hype behind any any special beer release, having people, you know, I mean waiting outside or, you know, have to do this can, you know, like, I don't understand that. I, I would love to understand that side of the, the hype, uh, the hype brewery and like the ego behind some of the, you know, I, I don't understand it completely. It's fascinating. You know, I don't, we're not working towards, you know, trying to, to do that, but that's something that I'm curious mm-hmm. um, to see how the, I just, I just don't understand that side of it, but that's a room to kind of explore or look at, you know. I mean that that exists. That exists really well. Maybe I should just stay in our lane and do
0: what we do well, you know. Uh, or, or we're going to reach for some of that. I mean, it's just an, it's an interesting. But depending on how you look at it, like that, you can still like embrace some of that side of the culture. Yeah, and it still be well within. "Quote unquote your lane," like that. That yeah, I would say that's more in your lane than some of the other places. That <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm not again. I'm good at hyping stuff, okay? Like, but it's, it's stuff, you know. And that
1: that is really where I don't know. It, it it's it's really interesting to see how you know where where we've come from. Five, you know, five years ago, just kind of with this idea, and now having. You know, such expertise and, p- and people drinking the beer and having, you know, you along for the ride, you know, and watching and even just seeing each other on the street. Oh, man, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, hey, man, what are you doing? Huh? You know, silently, you keep patting each other on the back. Hey, just keep going, you know. So it, it's, it is exciting because Ohio, it, it is a completely different world, you know, like it's, it's five miles away, but the access to, you know. So many things are going to open up. I mean, the streetcar stops right in front of our building, yeah. you know, and people can be for or against the streetcar. It doesn't matter, but the lagoon are we heavy or love the lagoon, like. The streetcar saved, like, 100 years ago, 50,000 people would leave Fountain Square, would ride on a streetcar right in front of our building, yeah. right to Ludlow, and what they do? They drank beer, they got on some paddle boats, and they saw some circus, you know? And the motor drone, they used to bet on motorcycles, you know? And that's an exciting thing, because, like, that model's been here forever, you know? Panem and Circusum, you know? Give them bread and circus, you know? Like, this, it's an interesting situation, but...
0: Uh, I. The understanding, and I know we've touched on it a few times throughout the show, but the understanding of when people go out, we'll say on a, on a Friday night, people are going out, they want to sit down, they want to have a drink, and they want something else to be going on. If they didn't want something else, and what that thing is is going to vary from person to person. Some people just want a quiet conversation. Some people want music. Some people want people blowing fire. All what people want is going to change, but people want something else. And if they just want to sit and drink beer, they're just going to sit at home and drink beer, which is fine. We all have those nights, but if people are going to, if people are going out, they want something else. And to be able to create a space that provides them something else, you, you got to figure that out or else you aren't going to last in uh, today's craft beer world. And I wish more people would, would listen to that and understand that.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting though. It's like, Trivia does not work here. Okay, like it's so right. interesting. You know, like we tried, we tried to get trivia going here. It just, it just didn't work. Right. So, you know, like that—that's another model of like, all right, you know, how much energy do we put into trivia? Like, well, you know, and it's great to see that work at places. You know, I mean, I, I tease everybody. You know, we're, we're kind of turned into a, a, not sports, but because the bangles are so hot, we have them on the sure, TV now. Sure. You know, but uh, somebody said, "Paul, man, you're really disappointing me with the bangles on." You know, like we got this guy, Neil's. He's from a. Uh, He's from South Africa. So we, we got a white African on staff. So, man, our, our diversity inclusion numbers are through the roof, okay? I'm not even kidding you there. Like, we, we've got every stripe and, you know, every – so it's funny, but he's always lean on me, man. You're. I thought we just did, like, bike polo and pickleball and wrestling. What the hell are you doing showing football? I'm like, well, you have to give the people yeah. what they want, no, you know? No, I don't
0: care who you are or what kind of place you have. If you, if you are serving some kind of alcoholic beverage right now and you don't have the Bengals on – you're messing up. Uh, yeah, no, a, <laughs> I don't no, care. You're, you're you're absolutely right. You know, even but, if you have to wheel it a TV to do it, that's what you should be doing. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good thing it's on network TV because our <laughs> our antenna is kind of it's not it's
1: not a great. This is but it's set up and and we're doing it. We have two TVs. You know, they're usually just used for menus, but right. it's great because you right. know now now it's on and it's the hoopla and you know it's it's fun. It's. But I used to say, you know, we have no public Wi Fi, no two by four Jenga, you know, no cornhole, and only two or three IPAs. We're like the anti brewery. Like without right. these, it it's just kind of being tongue in cheek with but our customers. But it'd you know, like, that's
0: kind of the interesting thing. But right? it's, it's, if, if you want to go play giant Jenga somewhere, yeah. there's a place for that. Absolutely. If you, if you want to do trivia, there's a place for that. There are plenty of places for that. If you want to do like, it's the, the, the difference that makes you guys special. The difference is what makes, ludlow special the difference is is what makes any place special really like it's it's not the places that blend into their neighborhood it's the places that understand their neighborhood and give it the next thing that they want and um you guys seem to understand that i think better than a lot of places i've ever talked to so keep up the good work hey you know we
1: we say we're good at uh you know what I'm good at is buying an old building and throwing a circus you know like that, that's kind of like my close you know the closing <laughs> argument with trying to close a deal with an investor like that is what that's what we are good at and you need the concessions you need you need the beer to, to fuel the circus and you know, if you don't have an asymmetrical uh, circus real estate play in your portfolio, you're really not diversified, right? That is, that is a good I mean, point. You get all the Bitcoin, you, all the <laughs> NFTs you want. You could be in the Goldman Sachs uh, money market. I don't care. But if if you really want to diversify your portfolio, you should look at a circus real estate play in, in, in Cincinnati with us. You know,
0: something <laughs> something, something that's out there. But, hey, thank you so much, bud. You know, thank you, guys. And keep up the great work. And if, if anybody that is listening to this has not been to Birkus... For the love of God, if you if, if you didn't get through this episode and don't have the desire to get down here, especially on, uh, was it February 5th for, for wrestling? Oh, yeah. If you aren't going to be here that night and you listen to this whole episode, I don't know what is wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that can be possible. Um, uh, thank you, guys. Everybody, uh, you've got beer on shelves around town. Get out there and try the beer because I think that might convince you to come down here and then uh your mind will be blown as far as the other side of what this is <laughs> yeah. uh we'll be back next week we are we'll be back every week we, we, we got this thing scheduled now since he the voice of scentsy craft